As the children are finding their way to whoever they're going to sit with, um, it's, isn't it exciting just to see them running off of the platform this morning? We're so thankful, so thankful for them. Thank you, Kim, and those who work with our kids. They do such a great job week after week after week. Listen, there's a couple things just to make you aware of. Tonight, tonight, we're going to eat. We're going to eat. It's our uh, Thanksgiving dinner together. It's potluck. If you bring a pot, I'll be in luck. And so I'm excited to see you. That is at 5 o'clock. Don't miss it. It's a great time of fellowship together. The next two weeks, there's nothing here on Wednesday nights for two weeks. We run with the uh, school schedule. So there's nothing on Wednesday nights, but each Sunday morning, next Sunday morning, and the next Sunday morning, our service will be at 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock. No Sunday school on those days. We'll look forward to seeing you. And also on the Christmas Eve evening at 5 o'clock, we have a 45-minute service, and I'm excited because uh, Zane Bridwell is here. In fact, he's in the choir this morning, and he will be playing. Um, and Keller Hudson will be here, and she will be playing and singing uh, during our Christmas Eve service, so we look forward to that. And, and while I've got Zane on my mind, uh, he sort of sneaked in the, at the last moment, but tonight during our mealtime, and I think this is his mother's idea, I'm not sure, but I'm going to give her credit for this, but he is going to be playing uh, during our fellowship time. We're going to put a keyboard down on the platform beside the Christmas tree, and he's going to play, but we're also going to have a tip jar there. And let me tell you what that's for. The tip jar is for Lottie Moon. So if you love it, he's going to take requests also. So if you, uh, uh, I understand he has, a, he has a brand new Christmas book with literally thousands of songs in it. And so you, you won't be able to stump him. So you come and try and we'll look forward to that time together. Speaking of Lottie Moon, it's time for our annual in gathering for that offering. And so there are two baskets on the platform. You will see them. I'm going to ask Arena to play again. And uh, if you will come and use, um, make, make your offerings in these baskets. And then after that, we're going to welcome Disciple 5 back with us this morning. And they're going to sing. And the choir is going to join them on part of Glory to God in the Highest, a favorite uh, Christmas tradition around here. So we'll look forward to that. So even now, if you would move with your offerings. Arena.
behold the Messiah's come, the one of whom you read. And as they spoke to men that day, the heavenly host around the throne joined in to say, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Heavenly angels announced his arrival in a little town of Bethlehem. sing together joy to the world and our God says will you stand together as the praise team makes their way down and um, we'll sing together let's stand together Let 
Oh, 
Well, amen and amen. Hey, can you give the choir, Brother Scott, the quartet, our children, would you just give them a, a great big uh, round of applause this morning? Just show your appreciation. Amen. Oh, you know, there are just sometimes you really just don't really want to stop singing. You just want to keep singing. And, man, I'm kind of in that mood even now today. So good to see each of you and glad that you are here and a part of this service today at Poplar Springs. We're in a series called Best Christmas Ever. And we're just going to continue that theme today. My bride is actually with some of our grands today. We, we spent the night in uh, Piedmont uh, last night with... Uh, uh, who were we with last night? Yeah, we were with uh, uh, Stephen and Lauren and their crew. I have to think every now and then. And uh, so we had a blast with them. And so some of the grands were part of uh, um, uh, what they were doing this morning. So grand grandma, well, we don't, we're not grandma and grandpa. We are opa and oma, all right? And so Oma is there. And so when I came in this morning, I saw Tom and Scott, you know, out in the front. And, and they, that's first first question, where's Pat? I said, I put her in the road. That's it. <laughs> now, if I want her to know that, I'll tell her that, all right? So, so she'll, be, she'll be here tonight, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll enjoy some fellowship tonight. And I'm really looking forward to that. I, um, I got here early today because of just the difference, and, and to be honest with you, I, I, I was pretty nosy. I walked around to several of the adult Sunday school classes, and I didn't go in them. I just stood outside the door. I just wanted to listen, and I heard some great teaching. But one thing that grabbed my attention was I'm going to preach out of the same text that you were Looking at in Sunday school this morning. Had no idea about that. And, uh, but I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 1. So if you have a copy of God's Word or if you have a device, whichever you want to use, I want you to look with me in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. As a matter of fact, hold your Bible up and say this with me. This is the Bible. It's God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-changing. Life there you go. Amen. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took a place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus." For he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. 
Father, thank you for such a sweet time of, of worship today. Lord, just to come and to sing praises to you. And Lord, there's such a sweet, sweet spirit in this room right now. And so, Lord, we know that you are here. And Father, I pray that you will just continue to draw us to your heart today. Lord, I pray that you would just give us a kiss from heaven. That God, you would do something that's incredible, unusual, that could only be explained by you. And so, Lord, I pray that as we walk through this incredible text today, God, that you will just uh, grab our hearts. And I pray, Lord, that our mind would be just so focused on you for just a few minutes today. Lord, there's so many other things that God could cloud our mind. And Lord, I am asking you, Lord, to keep us keenly focused upon you and what you are saying to us today. And so, God, I pray that you would save. I pray that you would restore. God, I pray that you will just allow grace to do what only grace can do today. And we will thank you and praise you for it all. For we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. This is a powerful text. I, I read uh, several years ago that there was one author who said that Joseph was the forgotten man of Christmas. That sometimes Joseph is that picture uh, in, you know, in this whole narrative of the Christmas story that maybe sometimes gets just a little overlooked. You know, a lot of concentration on Mary, of course, and Jesus, absolutely. But what about Joseph? And so there are just several things that I think we can draw out of this text today from the life of Joseph that can, I, I think, can be so redeeming and refreshing. First one is this, God redeems broken hearts for his purpose. God redeems broken hearts for his purpose. You know, there's a lot of different teaching today, and I think there's some false teaching out there. there there's this thing called the prosperity gospel that says if you follow Jesus, your life is going to be perfect. That you're going to be good looking, you're going to be smart, you're going to have money, you're going to be able to avoid all kind of painful experiences, you're going to be able to live the dream, the good life, and that you'll never experience a broken heart. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you, I really don't believe that at all. I just don't think that's true. And what we have in this text today, verse 19 says, he is a devout man. This guy is following God. He's devoted to the things of God. He's devoted to the, to the scriptures. And so here's this guy that we would say he's, he's living a righteous life. He's pursuing God. And yet here is a situation in his life where I believe he has a broken heart. So every man in this room, just think with me for a minute. What would it have been like if you were getting ready to get married? Because that's where they are, right? They're betrothed. That's not a term that we use today. They're betrothed, which meant they really were already legally husband and wife. There's just a period of time they go through, and then they consummate the marriage. And so that's why you read here wife and husband because legally they're already looked at. The, you know, they've already exchanged their goats and cows and all that kind of stuff because that's what they did, right? 
How about, how about, would you like it if your mom and dad arranged your marriage today? Got no amens on that one, did I? Not a one. Okay, but that's kind of what was going on there, right? And so you just, you know, you could, you know, the, the mom, dad could walk around and say, you know what, we like her, you're going to marry her, and they just kind of swap goats and cows and done deal. It's kind of like going to Walmart, picking out a rod and reel, right? You like that one? Okay, all right. So their betrothed, their, 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 this, this kind of super engagement. And so there was some things about that engagement. So there was an expectation legally and religiously that if you were betrothed, you were commanded to stay pure, that you were to stay away from that person and you would consummate that marriage on your wedding night. But Joseph somehow finds out that Mary is pregnant. She's going to have a baby. And here, what this is what he does know. Now, the text doesn't tell us how he found out. Did Mary tell him? Did he? I, I don't know. We, we don't know in the text. But here's what we do know. Joseph knew that he was not the father. So, so imagine, do you think he was a man like you and I that would have emotion? I, I jotted several things down. I wonder, I wonder if he felt hurt, angry, confused, devastated. I wonder if he felt ashamed, embarrassed, betrayed. I can't help but believe that Joseph experienced a broken heart. Think about it. Here's a man who is pursuing God. He honors God. He keeps the law's commandment. He's walking in integrity. He's devoted. But despite this, his heart is broken. The Bible is very clear that if we are going to follow Jesus, we are going to know suffering and we're going to know hardships and we're going to know difficulty. And we all can experience that. You may be here today, and maybe it's very difficult for you to be here today. I mean, for every person that's loved every moment of this service, maybe you are here, and there's a, there's a situation that you're going through, and you, you've identified more with suffering and hardship and anger and a broken heart than you have anything else. I get it. We've all been there. I remember one of the darkest times in my life was when Pat and I lost a child. And you think, how in the world could God redeem that? I, 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 I just knew that God was going to answer our prayer. I just knew he was going to prove the doctors wrong. And, and it's not that I didn't have faith. I believed, and, and we had people praying. I'm telling you, there were folks at our church that we were at then in the Indian Trail, and, and some of those are godly people that I knew could get a hold of God. As a matter of fact, some of those sweet senior saints, those ladies, that, when that little prayer group got together, if I prayed for God to kill me and asked them to pray that I'd go ahead and lay down so I would not bruise myself. These folks knew how to get a hold of God. But that was not our reality. And I remember the dark days. I watched it in Pat. But as time kind of passed, then I started feeling it. And you think, God, why? And how in the world 
are you going to redeem this reality? Well, here's the key. In the text, it tells us that the Holy Spirit was at work. Can I tell you the Holy Spirit of God is always at work. He is up to something. And, and maybe you're suffering today and you're thinking, God, how, how are you going to redeem all this bad stuff in my life? How can you redeem the suffering? How can you redeem the rejection? How can you redeem all the brokenness? It's called grace. One of my favorite hymns, perhaps yours too, is Amazing Grace. And sometimes we forget the third verse. Bless the heart of the third verse of every hymn. Right? But remember that third verse. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Right? His grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. Listen, if you are here today and you are suffering and you feel a sense of brokenness in your life, I'm telling you, hold on to your faith. God is at work. God will heal your broken heart and show you that he has a purpose in it. I did not want to lose that child, but I cannot tell you how many families and how many husbands and how many wives we've been able to help over the years because we can say we've been there we know how it feels and guess what God is good he's good God can redeem a broken heart for his purpose the second thing I want you to see is this grace and forgiveness can only come from God fascinating story here sometimes we may overlook some of these little details that are so incredibly powerful so remember they're engaged there's a legal and a religious commitment that's already been put out there and so now verse 19 he is, we know that joseph is a just man and being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame resolved to divorce her quietly now that's this is incredible you, you talk about an audacious act of mercy, of compassion, of forgiveness and grace. This is what Joseph did. I mean, part of, I mean, you see who he is by what he does. You don't have to tell me what you believe. I can watch your life and know what you believe. Right? I mean, this guy, what he said he believed and what he did did not call his life or lips a liar. They were consistent. And so here's the deal. Deuteronomy chapter 22 verse 21 said he had every right to have Mary stoned. Did you know that pastor said you bring, you bring, you bring the one who's offended and you bring him to the, the doorpost of the father and there they would be stoned? That's what the law said. And so here's what I do know. It appears to me that the seventh commandment had been broken, that Joseph had a legal position. He had a religious position to have Mary stoned, but he did not do that. The Bible uses very distinct words. He dismissed her. He put her away quietly. Did you know in that day a man could go to the priest and divorce his wife for almost any stinking reason if you had a wife and she burnt the bread you could divorce her you could go to the house don't look at each other okay stop it right now 
This is not, this is not that kind of message, but we can go there if we need to, all right? He could go to the high priest and say, she looked at me funny and would be granted divorce papers. Crazy. We're almost there again. Where is the fidelity? Where is the commitment? Where is the spirit of better or worse, right? Richer or poorer. And so he could have done that. He, he could have said she's done something distasteful. And it would have been enough that he would have been granted divorce. But by doing this, by doing what Joseph did, he said, I don't want her to be put to shame. He's willing to bear the shame. Think about it. That's, that's what's going on in the text here. He said, I will be the one that will disrupt the covenant. I don't want to make her look bad. I will be the one who will be ridiculed. I will be the one who will take all the shame. I will be seen as the one who is abandoning Mary by divorcing her while she is pregnant was to set himself up as the bad guy. This was the most difficult path that Joseph could take, but it was the path to grace. It was the path to mercy. It was the path to forgiveness. Think about those words, forgiveness. Mercy, grace. I'm telling you, what you're reading here in chapter 1 is a God moment. That God stepped in and did something that only God could do. Can I tell you, I don't have it in my rotten, stinking flesh to forgive. I want to be right. Don't look at me so holy. Maybe all of us have a little bit of that in us, right? We want to win that argument. We want to be right. We want to get that last word in. And if we can't get the last word in, we get the last look in, right? My flesh doesn't want to forgive. And I promise you this, when I realize that I have sinned and I get right with God and I begin to go to Pat or whomever it is and begin to seek forgiveness, I know that that is a God thing. There's a situation that I know about with some friends of ours, and there could have been a choice made for a full, full out. I mean, this could have been bad. But you know, I watched, I watched somebody choose grace instead of the law. And that's what happens here in this text. So I got a couple of questions. Number one, do you need to forgive someone? You've been hurt, you've been offended. Are you not going to go to the family Christmas get-together because they are going to be there? You with me? I mean, could it be somebody in this room? Could it be somebody in this neighborhood? Is there somebody that you are bitter toward? Something that happened 10 minutes ago, something that happened 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It haunts you like crazy. It's just as real as though it happened 10 minutes ago. And perhaps God is calling you to himself. Perhaps God is trying to speak to you through the Holy Spirit the same way that the angel spoke to Joseph and said, this is of God. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. 
And Joseph chose to extend grace. He chose to extend mercy. He chose to extend forgiveness. Now, some of you are, I I can feel it. I can feel it even right now. You are wrestling with that because you're thinking, wrestling. I said wrestling. I caught myself, okay? Because you think if I forgive, then what I've just done is I've told them that it was okay what they did. No, 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 no. That's not it at all. When you choose to forgive someone, you're not saying what they did, that offense was okay. You're saying that God, by his grace, has done such a work in your heart because God has forgiven you that now you are willing to forgive somebody else. Freely given, freely give. Listen, let me tell you something. Until somebody does to you what we all did to Jesus, we have no right not to forgive. Zero. So you're, you're, you're not saying that what happened to you was right. But you are saying God has done such a work of grace in me that he would forgive me. I am choosing to forgive you. And two things are going to happen. Number one, uh, it, something crazy is going to happen to the person that you forgive. And number two, something wonderful is going to happen to you because you did forgive. You're going to open up the prison door. Some of you have been in your own prison for years and years because you won't forgive. And it makes you mad because that other person is just having the time of their life, aren't they? <laughs> They're going on trips. You go to Myrtle Beach. They are going to the Bahamas. You're driving a Ford. They're driving a Porsche. You're in a eight. 1,800 square foot house and they're in a 3,200 square foot house. You didn't get the promotion. They did. And God is saying, I want you to reflect the same grace that I've given you. And I see that in Joseph. So who is it? Who is it that God is calling you to extend grace, mercy, and forgiveness. Last thing, and I'll I'll close with this. Obedience to the word is the path to understanding God's will. Let me say that again. Obedience to the word is the path to understanding God's will. So look at verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared. What things? He's thinking, how am I going to divorce her? How can I handle this? And I don't want to hurt her, but I got to do something because this thing's, I got a broken heart. This thing's, this thing's crushing me. But as he considered these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sin. Verse 24, when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. I mean, this is discernment at its best. 
that Joseph is discerning that God has spoken, that, that, that God has his attention. He's paying close attention to the voice of God. And, you know, God wants us to listen. He, he wants us to listen expectantly. That's why Jeremiah 33.3, right? Call on me and I will show you great mighty things that what? You don't know. So, so to, to listen and to wait expectantly, God, you're going to do, you're going to say something. Maybe it's just to, to, to wait quiet. I'm going to listen quietly. Be still and know that he is God. Maybe, maybe God is saying, I want you to listen gratefully. Be anxious for nothing. But what? You take all these things with thanksgiving to the Lord, right? And there's all kind of ways to listen. The key is listen. I'm afraid some of us are just way too busy to listen. I mean, if we're really going to listen to God, maybe we need to turn the TV off. If we're going to really listen to God, maybe we need to spend less time on the iPad. If I'm really going to listen to God, here's, here's what I'll tell you to do. Do this. Go home. Go home. And, and I bet you got one of these. Go home and take a hammer and just beat the daylights out of it. I just offended somebody right there. I, I mean, you just shut me down right there. <gasps> I mean, I'm not going to do that, but sometimes I want to. Maybe, maybe I need to be quiet and be still. Listening's chief companion is obedience. But unless we listen, we can't obey. I want you to understand something. God will always confirm his will through his word. Now that, you can say amen to that or you can say oh me to that, right? Because there's sometimes what he's doing is not exactly what I picked out. You know, I'm, I'm really good at being the master of my own life, or I think I am sometimes. All the covers are tucked in just right. I can see every, I can see the whole road map, and it's just clear as a bell. Here's what's going to happen, and I'm just going to walk in this, I'm going to walk in this, and it's going to be really wonderful. And God just throws a monkey wrench in the whole thing. You ever been there? That's why we have to listen. What is it that God has been trying to say to you that you just won't listen to? Has God been trying to talk to you? Has God been trying to get your attention? What is it? What are you running from? What is it that you want to avoid? What is it that God's been calling you to that you are afraid of? God will always confirm his will through his word. Obedience to the word is the pathway of understanding God's will. So when Joseph knew that it was God who was speaking, it, it, it impacted what he did. He heard, he obeyed. Why? Because that was the will of God. And because he understood that, he walked in it. And then he understood the will of Mary's life. And then he understood why Jesus came. He understood why that this baby is conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because that's what God said would happen. I want you to understand something, church. Faith is not stepping out on nothing. That's what my whole church, that's the way we believed. Bless God. Hallelujah, right? Just have faith. Just have faith. 
Faith of what? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Just have faith and woo, jump on out there. A 60-year-old should not do that, all right? About halfway in the air, I think, dummy. Because if I'd have broke something, that'd have been awful. That's kind of the way, that's kind of mentality in my home church. Just go for it. People come to the altar and they say, pray through, pray through. And the next guy would come by and go, let it go, let it go. What do you do? Do you pray through or do you let it go? Faith is not stepping out on nothing. Listen to me. Faith is stepping out on the revealed word of God. That's why we have to listen to God. That's why it's important for us to be in the word and for the word to be in us. Why? Because we hear God. When you hear him, then you can obey him. And those two things, man, they, they, that's like peanut butter and jelly. So, so are you here today and you've got a broken heart? You've been discouraged. Things really haven't gone the way that you thought they would go. God will redeem that broken heart. So much so that you'll be able to look back one day in the rear view of your life and you see how God orchestrated all those things for his purpose and for his glory. God can even give you the capacity to forgive someone who's offended you. We've all been offended. Not a person in this room has not been offended at some point in your life, right? You get offended. I've been offended in a restaurant, but I still went, I still go to restaurants. I got offended in the restroom one time, but I still go. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We've all been offended. Somebody could be offended tonight because somebody didn't eat your pound cake. <laughs> I mean, it, get over it. Why? I, hey, I, we ain't got nothing but time today. I, I, I went back to the church I pastored when I, the, the last full-time pastor yesterday, precious man of God, went home to be with Jesus, and he had written in his, all of us documents that the, the songs he wanted sung and the people that he wanted to preach, and I was the, I was the last preacher to preach yesterday. I'd much rather do a wedding that I had, I did their wedding years ago, long story. Anyway, I'm getting all sidetracked. I'd much rather do a wedding but I will tell you there is something about a funeral that can give you a pretty quick reality check, right? There is life, but there's also death. And I don't know if you've read the latest statistic, but one out of one die. We're all going to die, right? Unless Jesus comes, we're all going to die. 
Jesus came to forgive you your sin so that when you die, you could be with him forever. And it could be the reason you can't forgive is because you've never been forgiven. You can't give what you don't have. And the most tragic thing I could imagine is somebody being in a service like this and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit speaking to you saying, Jesus loves you, Jesus died for you, and he is wooing you to his heart. And for you not to receive him, I, 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 I don't even want to think about that. And so today, I'm just telling you, if God's speaking to you, I, I, I'm telling you, listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Be saved. And some of you know Jesus, and you've got some forgiving to do. You've got to open the prison bars for yourself and somebody else. Last thing, some of us are scared to death to trust God. Because you're afraid if I do what God is telling me to do, I'll lose control and I have no idea what's going to happen. Yep, that's right. <laughs> that's right. But what you will know is him. And you will watch him provide in ways that you could never imagine. Now unto him who's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could think or ask. And so during this invitation, I'm going to ask three things. Number one, if you've never been saved, I'm going to ask you to be saved. Number two, if there's somebody that you need to forgive, you need to come and you need to begin praying for them right now. Number three, God's been trying to speak to you about something and you've turned a deaf ear to it and today you need to listen. God will confirm his will through his word. So, Lord, today, in this time of invitation, God, I do pray for those three things. I pray that somebody would be saved. God, I pray that somebody would exercise forgiveness. And, God, I pray that someone would trust you and be so conformed to your word that they can hear your will for their life and not run or resist what the Spirit is trying to do and so jesus we give you this invitation we trust you with it whatever you do god we will bring glory to your name and we ask this in jesus name i'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and and i i'm you know I, I i know that sometimes when we say things like a public invitation that can get all weird and wacky and and i get all that i really do i really do but I'm just telling you, here, here, here's why I do this. Because I know that I've been where some of you are. And there are times when, when I stepped out believing that God was drawing me, there was something unique about coming forward in a service like this to say, I'm really not ashamed of what God is doing. And so I, I remember being saved and I didn't care who knew, right? 
I, I remember when I, when, when, when I said yes to, to Jesus and, and God, I will serve you however you want me to serve you. When he called me into the ministry, I remember, yes. And, I, and, I, I, and that happened in high school. And the following Sunday, I made it public. There, there's something, there's just something, I can't explain it. There's just something so freeing and affirming when you make a public commitment to Jesus, whatever it is. So I'm not, I, don't, I don't make any, I am not ashamed to call you publicly. Not going to be ashamed to do that. And you don't have to agree with me. You have every right to be wrong. <laughs> I'm just kidding, all right? But if you need to be saved, I want you to come. Let me lead you to Jesus. If you need to come and pray, then you come pray. You, don't, you may not need me. You just need to get along with Jesus. But if God's speaking to you, I'm telling you, don't put it off. Don't wait. Do it right now.
um, I'd like to ask Donna Tucker, come on down here, please. And I want to get our staff here. I want to get Sam and Mr. Ken and Scott, Joey, Chris. Let's see. Lucia, I know, is not here. And Susan Harris. I've got the distinct privilege of saying thank you and Merry Christmas to these people who serve us and serve, the, they serve the Lord and they also serve us, the Lord first. And we are so thankful for each one of you. I want to say thank you and Merry Christmas on behalf of Popper Springs Baptist Church each one of you. I'm going to put this microphone down. Let's say Merry Christmas and thank you. Merry Christmas. Thank you. Let me pray us out. Dear God, we're so thankful for these people who serve you. And they also serve us. They lead us. We thank you for their witness. We thank you for their service. Lord, we thank you for their love. And Lord, may they feel our love to them, each one of them, Lord. Lord, we're so thankful for all that you have done here, what you continue to do, and what you're going to do, Lord. We ask this in your most precious name. Amen.